Give ear, O heavens, and I will speak, and hear, O earth, the words of my mouth. For I proclaim the name of the Lord, ascribe greatness to our God. For He is a rock, His work is perfect, for all His ways are justice. A God of truth and without injustice, righteous and upright is He. Give ear, O heavens, and I will speak, and hear, O earth, the words of my mouth. For I proclaim the name of the Lord, ascribe greatness to our God. For He is the rock, His work is perfect, for all His ways are justice. A God of truth and without injustice, righteous and upright is He. In each of our spiritual journeys, we have some moments that we're just really up on like the height of a mountain peak. But then, not necessarily too many uh, years later, perhaps, we're down in a valley. And we go up and down, and we've got these, these moments that are great and wonderful, and moments that aren't so great and aren't so wonderful, and they've got problems within them. Well, this morning, we looked at uh, what is referred to as the Mount of Transfiguration, but yet... For what I want us to do uh, tonight is I want us to keep reading in the story because we find out that, yes, it was a wonderful moment whenever they were experiencing the glory of God. They were seeing that all of this glory is passing on to Jesus and we just see great things through Jesus and that he's going to do wonderful things. But then, you know, that was the mountaintop experience. They came down from the mountain. And do you remember what happened then? Well, let's take a look at it. But before we get to what happens after they come down to the mountain, I want us just to be reminded of what we looked at this morning. And so I'm just going to read about the Mount of Transfiguration first. In Luke chapter 9, verses 28 through 36, this is the story that we, we read, and I'm pretty much going to read it and not really comment very much on it. About eight days after Jesus said this, he took Peter, John, and James with him and went on to a mountain to pray. As he was praying, the appearance of his face changed, and his clothes became as bright as, the fla as a flash of lightning. Two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor, talking with Jesus. They spoke about his departure, which he was about to bring to fulfillment at Jerusalem. Peter and his companions were very sleepy, but when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men standing with him. As the men were leaving uh, Jesus, Peter said to him, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what he was saying. And while he was speaking, a cloud appeared and covered them, and they were afraid as they entered the cloud. A voice came from the cloud saying, This is my son whom I have chosen. Listen to him. When the voice had spoken, they found that Jesus was alone. The disciples kept this to themselves and did not tell anyone at that time what they had seen. Now, I said that's just the first part of the story. This is the mountaintop experience. When they come down from the mountain, let's take a look at what they experience at that time. Luke chapter 9, verses 37 through 43. The next day when they came down from the mountain, a large crowd met him. A man in the crowd called out, Teacher, I beg you to look at my son, for he is my only child. A spirit seizes him and he suddenly screams. It throws him into convulsion so that he foams at the mouth. It 
scarcely ever leaves him and is destroying him. I begged your disciples to drive it out, but they could not. You unbelieving and perverse generation, Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you and put up with you? Bring your son here. Even while the boy was coming, the demon threw him to the ground in a convulsion. But Jesus rebuked the impure spirit, healed the boy, and gave him back to his father. And they were all amazed at the greatness of God. So now, as they come down from the mountain, what we see is there's a large crowd that comes, and we see that problems come with the crowd. And this problem comes in the form of, of a demon. This, this man... Uh, has this child who um, has this this spirit, this demon, who has been causing him problems. And we find out that in verse 40, you know, he's already come to the disciples and they were unable to be able to drive it out. And then at that moment, you just kind of wonder, it, it kind of seems like Jesus has this moment in verse 41 where he's just a little, a little frustrated, I guess would be a good way of looking at it. He just, he's disappointed because these things are affecting people in the crowd. We see that his own disciples, that he's trying to prepare. He's trying to help along the way. They still aren't getting it. They're not able to, to be able to, to do all these things right here. But we see what happened uh, was whenever the boy comes to uh, Jesus, we see that Jesus does rebuke the spirit. He heals the boy, gives him back to his father. And then they all notice that this is the greatness of God that has come in their midst. Now, this is a very good response to a miracle to recognize the power that Jesus has. But what we also see is this is what happens when you come down from a mountain. Because on that mountain, they were experiencing the glory of God. They were experiencing the glory that was resting on Jesus and all these great things coming together. When they come down among the people again, we see problems are there. We see difficulties are there. But we also see that God is there in the valley. He's there to help lift them up. We also see these people, they still obviously have faith in God. They were amazed at this greatness of God. They're praising God for the things that are taking place. And we see this is oftentimes where we find ourselves. It's not always having that, that glorious moment, so to speak. Sometimes it's like this. You know, it's things that get a little ugly and are, are a little difficult and a little confusing. But this is what a lot of what Jesus' own ministry was like. And it's also what he was preparing his disciples for this type of ministry. The, the ministry that you come down from the mountain after you spent time with your Heavenly Father, so to speak. And then you come down and you deal with the things of this world. The things of this life. Things that are causing problems in this life. And you continue on. And we also find out that the story continues on too with even more of the things that Jesus is dealing with at this time. As the story continues, we see that Jesus is always fully involved in what he's doing with this ministry. And we also see that he is, he is fully reminded every single step of the way of what his purpose was. Why he came to this earth in the first place. And he was also well aware the entire time of the difficulties that he was going to have to face. Sometimes it was from powers, you know, outside. But here, as you continue on, you find out that sometimes he just really had to spend a lot of time with his disciples, working with them and trying to, to help them think like people who are a part of the kingdom of God. 
In Luke chapter 9, verses 43 through 51, let's continue reading in this story. While everyone was marveling at all that Jesus did, he said to his disciples, Listen carefully to what I am about to tell you. The Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. But they did not understand what this meant. It was hidden from them, so they did not grasp it. And they were afraid to ask him about it. An argument started among the disciples as to which of them would be the greatest. Jesus, knowing their thoughts, took a little child and had him stand beside him. Then he said to, to them, Whoever welcomes this little child in my name welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. For it is the one who is least among you all who is the greatest. Master, said John, we saw someone driving out demons in your name, and we tried to stop him, because he is not one of us. Do not stop him, Jesus said, for whoever is not against you is for you. As the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. In this passage, we see that the entire time Jesus is well aware of what's going to be happening. He's already speaking about himself and telling them, listen to what's going on. And, and he's telling them these things about how the Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. Jesus knows the, the grim details of what's going to take place in the future. But they don't still grasp it. They're, they're thinking, okay, he's, he's talking in riddles again, perhaps. It was hidden from them for this time. But then we notice in verse 46, now even among these disciples, they're kind of, they're, they're arguing about who is the greatest. And Jesus still is trying to teach them, this is what it looks like to be a part of the kingdom of God. He, he speaks about like a little child and about welcoming a little child. And in other places, he kind of combines this with the idea of having faith like a little child. And we need to recognize that the way that God thinks and the way that God works is different than the way that we might be used to at first. They still don't get it, though. They're still, you know, not only arguing in verse 46 about who's the greatest, but now in verse 49, they're saying, okay, well, we saw some other people that were doing some good things. They were driving out demons in your name, but they're not part of us, so we told them to stop. And Jesus is still trying to get them to reframe what their purpose is. And he says that whoever is not against you is for you. And I think that's a wonderful lesson for us to learn sometimes today, that not everybody is against us. And sometimes people are doing great things in the name of Jesus, even though, you know, they're not following side by side with us, maybe. And, you know, from these people's perspective, uh, these are the disciples who were following every day with Jesus. So obviously these other people, they knew about Jesus because they were driving out demons in the name of Jesus, but yet they're not walking every day next to Jesus. Now, I don't know exactly why they weren't, but for whatever case, you know, there was only going to be so many people who could stand by Jesus anyways, and Jesus recognized what he was doing was bigger than just among the 12. He was training them up to get them to realize about what it means to be a part of this kingdom, what it means to spread the gospel. And he tells them not to stop those others who are doing great deeds in the name of Jesus. And we see at this moment that uh, verse 51 Jesus was setting out for Jerusalem. He knew what was going to be taking place. And we see that, that he had it always in his mind of the things that he was going to be doing. They were not always going to be mountaintop experiences. Many times it was just in the, the dirt and grime in the valleys. But yet, all of that is part of what ministry is about. 
all of that, all the good things, all the bad things were part of what the ministry of Jesus was about as well. Now, uh, for the for the next uh, few minutes, what I want us to do is I want us to to recognize that we oftentimes notice um, and we oftentimes will see that the mountaintop experiences, they stick with us for a long time. And sometimes after we have a time to, to reflect on what took place, we can better kind of put it into words. Um, so now at this time, let's listen to Peter uh, talking about witnessing Jesus um, whenever he was working and doing these things, and especially that mountaintop experience, because that was one of the highlights of Jesus's ministry that we see, a wonderful time when you get this voice that's saying great things about who Jesus is, clear identification, and Peter was the one was one of them that was present. And it said in, in Luke that they didn't say anything about it. They seemed like they didn't really under, understand it fully. Even Peter speaks up and he's like, oh, should we build you know these, these, uh, these booths for all three of you? And it, it even says in the text, he didn't understand what he was saying. He didn't know what to do. He was just trying to respond in some great way. But after he had time to reflect on what took place and what he saw, he said this. Let's look at what he said in the book of 2 Peter. 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 16 through 21. Peter says, For we did not follow cleverly devised stories when we told you about the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ in power, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. We re he received honor and glory from God the Father when the voice came to him from the majestic glory, saying, This is my Son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this voice that came from heaven when we were with him on the sacred mountain. We also have the prophetic messages coming completely reliable, and you will do well to pay attention to it. As to a light shining in the dark place, until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. For prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So as Peter kind of reflects on what he experienced, and as he, as he comments on it and speaks about it, what he tells us is he gives us, you know, we as the, the readers of this, of this book, we can have confidence in the things that we read about. Because Peter himself, he was an eyewitness. And he says, look, I'm telling you these things. I was an eyewitness of these things. He speaks about that time that he, he heard this voice, this majestic glory um, that uh, is, uh, he also mentions in verse 17. Then in verse 18, um, he speaks about how he heard this voice on the sacred mountain. He's speaking about the mountain of, of transfiguration because that is where the, the voice said, this is my son whom I love with him. I'm well pleased. And that voice was a, a wonderful um, confirmation of who Jesus was and the purpose of why Jesus came and, and uh, the blessing that God had uh, that our Heavenly Father you know, had placed upon him. And Peter is just once again mentioning, look, he, he was an eyewitness of these things. We have an eyewitness testimony right here. We also see that then he continues on in verses 19 through 21, speaking about this prophetic message, this this, uh, this message that we have that's given us in the pages of the Bible, we can make sure that the prophecies that were given to us in Scripture, they are reliable. We can check them out. We can be able to, to look at them time and time again. That's one of the reasons why I love the time period in which I, I um, am alive right now. Because we live in a time whenever the Bible has been written down. And we can look at some of the 
the old uh, prophecies from thousands of years ago, and then we can compare them to events that we, we see actually took place, and we can be assured that this, uh, this prophetic word that is recorded in the pages of the Bible, it is true. It is from God. And we must be people, just like what Peter says in verse 19, that we need to pay attention to these things. We need to recognize that they are like a light that's shining in the dark places. This is the gospel message. This is the message that we have been entrusted with. We need to make sure that we are people who spread this news. Because we can have moments in our own ministries, in our own lives, whenever we're at a, a high point, And it's, it's a highlight of, uh, of our time. Something great is going on. But, you know, we also need to recognize that we've got to rely upon God even in the valleys. We need to rely upon God and, and recognize that he is there in our midst. He's still there uh, to help us. Just as he's carried along the prophets in ages past, he is still there to help carry us along today. Now, Peter's warning um, right here, he's, his call to listen to the prophetic message is given right here at the end of, verse, of chapter 1. But then in chapter 2, it kind of transitions a little bit more to a warning. A warning because Peter knows people are going to fall away from it. Problems are going to come. Some people who once believed in the gospel message are going to reject it. Peter says this about that. In 2 Peter chapter 2, this time, verses 1 through 3, he says, But there were also false prophets among the people. So just like there were good prophets, he says there's also false prophets. Just as there will be false teachers among you, they will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the sovereign Lord who, brought, who bought them bringing swift destruction on themselves. Many will follow their uh, depraved conduct and will bring the way of truth into dis disrepute. In their greed, these teachers will exploit you with fabricated stories. Their condemnation has long been hanging over them and their destruction has not been sleeping. And if you keep reading, you find out that that, that warning, if anything, it just gets uh, more intense as you go on in, in the book of Second Peter uh, chapter 2. That warning continues on. And he gives more examples about these false prophets. So we recognize that false prophets have been uh, among the people and that false teachers have even been um, found in the church from time to time. And sometimes they introduce destructive things. But we need to be people who rest assured about this prophetic message. We need to be people who, who remember what Jesus preached what he was teaching constantly, and we need to recognize, like, like what that voice said on the mountain, that Jesus is the Son of God. He's the chosen one of God. We need to listen to him. We need to make sure that no matter what prophet we, we hear or no matter what teacher we hear, uh, that we, we recognize whether or not it lines up with what God has revealed to us, of what God is saying. We see that he tells them that, that there will be a time whenever judgment will come for these false prophets. Uh, we, we need to recognize that. There's no question about that because God is aware. God is aware because God is always with us. He's with us, the high points, the low points, and every single point in between. We need to be people who will trust in the Lord, who will rely upon this message that God has given to us like a light that is shining in the darkness. Do we think about the Bible like that? Maybe there can be some things that, that we need to adjust in our own ways of thinking, in our own faith, so that we can make sure that we always rely upon the Bible like that. That it is a light 
in the darkness. When the rivers run, when shines the sun, we can clearly see the masterpiece of God. When the moonlight glows, when blooms the rose, there can be no doubt it was God who Say. Yeah.